Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to this episode. All right. So today's guest, lots of times we've done this too on this podcast is we brought in investors. We brought in mortgage companies and private lenders and hard money and soft money and non-QM companies as well. And today's episode is going to be about that as well. Now, why? Because as I've said before, it is so important for you as a loan officer or a real estate agent, whoever you are listening, that you expand your horizons beyond the traditional financing, because there's so many opportunities out there for you to grow your wealth. And getting back to Rich dad, poor dad, the quadrants, the four quadrants, you want to get to the point where you are an active entrepreneur and not just utilize this business to make a buck today and then spend it tomorrow. So our guest today is Michael Michael. I'm going to get right. He's the founder and CEO of Stratton and Equities, the nation's leading hard money and non-QM lender to national real estate investors. So this is, again, for investors with the largest variety of mortgage loans under one roof, which we're going to find out a little bit. I'm curious about today, too. So he launched this company in 2017. He's been an entrepreneur for a really long time. And then I guess you're going to tell us a little bit about it, but you had the foresight to see that this was going to be a big community. And here we are post-COVID. This is a huge community. People are buying, people are positioning themselves to buy right now. He noticed that the mortgage industry had transformed the regulation from Dodd-Frank and knew it was time to set out on something different. So I am delighted to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Michael, for taking the time. I know you're super, super busy. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. So let's talk about this a little bit. I want to go back to, and you know, I tend to do that anyway, to like, tell me your story, right? Were you in real estate? Were you in mortgage? Were you an investor and you tried to get a loan and it was a nightmare? Where did all this come from? Depends how far back and how long you want to do it. But <laughs> long story, actually. But I mean, I bought my first investment property at 19 before there was any institutional hard money type of financing, literally from the old school type, type of hard money where hard money was created, which is just people that had money that they wanted to invest in other people. I got in the mortgage industry in 2003 in the regular QM Fannie and Freddie world. I worked for multiple companies at that time. The crash happened in 2008. I got out of the industry. I got heavily into buying real estate at that time because that's the best time to buy. It was 2009, 10, 11, and 12. And then you saw 2012 and 13 is when more companies like Stratton Equities and other companies kind of came about. They were for yeah. us when they found the loopholes, should I say, in, in the regulation and that you can do certain loans, you can do no-doc loans, no fabrication loans, et cetera, as long as it's an investment property. So right. this started to come out. But at that time, it was primarily bridge loans, right? Fix and flips got, got popular and lenders pretty much just aimed on bridge loans. That was their whole entire pipeline. Then as years went on, we started to get more into the term loans, the no-doc term loans, and now is actually our LTVs and rates are actually better now than pre-COVID. Like our rates right now, I mean, we're listing at 4.375, what they start at on our no-doc term loans. But I think they're actually even lower than that now. We actually had to change that advertising. LTVs are up there at the 85% for a purchase. The big thing that I talk about is people that are new investors 
don't know about these options and companies really like ours because we're actually working on changing that specific 2020. Companies like Stratton Equities and the other companies don't do mainstream advertising and marketing. They right. the Scotsman Guide and which we are in and other industry specific publications. But the mainstream, if you're a new investor and you Google something for investing, Credit Karma comes up or Nerd Wallet comes up or that type of stuff comes up. And none of the companies in our space do any advertising or PR on any of those websites or magazines. So we're actually heavily working on that because when people are a new investor, they go, okay, we go to my bank. Let's go to the credit union. I had a friend that is someone to buy a two-family investment property in New Jersey, and he went to your local bank or the large mortgage companies and conforming guidelines was 70 LTV. So you had yeah. to put down 30%. Father is a cigar friend of mine. So he came to me, he goes, you know, what can you do for this? So not only was it a no-doc loan where we didn't look at income or W-2s and tax returns, but we were at 85 LTV. So if you're a new investor, I'm sure you probably have limited funds. 15% down versus 30% down is a big difference for you. Well, you can buy two. <laughs> right. That's what I'm thinking. That's more cash flow. <laughs> the average person that's a new investor doesn't know that, right? They go, oh, where do I get a loan? I go to the bank or I go to my credit union or I go to wherever I deposit my money, ABC, or I go to whatever. But they, they you know the conforming mortgage companies, but they don't know most people unless you're in this space and you bought a lot of properties and you read the Scotsman Guide and you go to the hard money and the private money expos, which I was just at one in Atlantic City. I just spoke at one last month as well in Atlantic City. People don't know about these options. And I definitely want to get these options out there because it will help a lot of investors. I wish this was around 20 years ago. Oh it my would have changed my life. Yeah, no kidding, because we did step investing. So we had to save 20%. Well, in the early years, we could do 10% down with PMI back then. And that was fine because PMI was tax deductible because it was in expenses and investor. But we would have to save money and then buy a house, save money and then buy a house. And we got to the point where it was 20% down. And then all of a sudden I said, wait a minute, what's this non-QM thing? Who are these people? And for the last eight years of my practice, that's what I focused on was non-QM. And I wouldn't say I focused solely on it. And we're going to talk about this too, because one of the things that loan officers need to understand and realtors who are listening is that most lenders are still, it's kind of like the old adage of VA loans with realtors that have been around for a long time. They're like, oh, we don't do VA loans because they're tough. So everyone's saying, "Ah, I don't know if we want to do non-QM loans. They're kind of risky. They're this and the other. And you and I are going to talk about that. And so the adage is doing that. And so when I was an originator, if I couldn't do a loan with my company, no conflict of interest, I would run it through my other company, my other little side company. And that's how I started growing my company. And so I don't want to be in a position to tell people to do that. I'm not an attorney. I'd want you to look at your contract and all that. But if you can get your company to work with Stratton Equities or other companies like them, you're going to open up so many opportunities. So let's talk about this for a little bit. What are the opportunities that you're seeing now? Why do you think that it has grown exponentially? And because you've been a loan officer before, what are they missing? What are loan officers missing in not pitching these products? I hate saying it that way, but not serving their clients and pitching these products. And I'm going to ask you a follow-up question to that. Talking about loan officers and realtors, even a few realtors know about these programs and products. Actually, the way most realtors find out about us is the borrower knows about us. And then the loan officer. <laughs> the loan officer, the borrower reached out to us, and then there's a realtor involved. Then the realtor goes, Oh, I didn't know this existed, and I didn't know you can do this and stuff. But yeah, there is still a stigma about it, unfortunately. There's a lot of loan officers that I talk to that just don't really venture much into this realm. I don't know why. You make money in a niche, and this is a niche, right? And it's a lot easier also to cultivate business, right? Because 
if you're a regular QM agency, family and friendly loan officer, every single company in the world does this loan, right? And what you, makes you different, right? You're yeah. only competing against rate, right? Wait, which rate? I hate that because that's what the rate is. All you compete about is what's the rate because the program's the same, different company name, different logo, but the program is exactly the same. With us, I actually created our programs, right? So nobody really has our programs. Yeah. Uh, for the most part, we have competitors on a purchase. They'll go to 75 LTV. We're at 85. We have multiple different types of programs that fit multiple different types of consumers and brokers. But yeah, I really couldn't tell you too much. It's just a stigma about it. I'm not sure why people are staying away from it. But if I was a loan officer, this is exactly what I would focus on. Oh, I'd be hard. I have options of explaining the company in other ways. Yeah. But this is where we are. This is our niche. Yeah. And when I still do these loans and part of the reason, and I'm not licensed at all, I have no NMLS license whatsoever anymore. I gave that up. So I only work with companies that don't require a license from me, but I only do non-owner occupied loans and I'm doing multifamily. I'm doing uh, commercial. I'm doing all kinds of fun stuff with it. And primarily I'm doing it because I don't want any of my clients to sit, my coaching clients to say to me, you haven't been out in the street. You don't know what it's like. No, I do know what it's like because the agents that I worked with on QM and non-QM when I was originating, I'm still working with. I just don't go out as often. I do everything over the phone and all of that. And so it's a really good point because loan officers don't like it when people gauge them on rate, <laughs> right? And yet I feel like a lot of loan officers are doing the same thing with this and saying, well, yeah, that you don't want to do that kind of stuff. Their rates are higher. Well, you haven't checked them lately. My company is called Situational Lending because I had always called this Situational Lending. That's exactly what this is. It's, it's your situation. It's all about a story. That's what you always want to know is the story. So where do loan officers fail when they try to get into this business? They try to get into this side. Where are they failing at understanding and digging their teeth in? Multiple parts to my rebuttal on this. So we do not do any structuring over email. And when I started the company in 2017, you get a lot of people that are used to just sending an email. Oh, what's the rate? And what we do, there's always a story. And when somebody sends you an email, they never tell you the bad things. They're going to tell you the good things, right? right, right. I'm not going to spend days going back and forth with you via email to get an answer. So all of our loan officers operate like that. We don't do anything via email, obviously documents and whatnot, but we don't structure a loan via email. It's all done over the phone because there is a situation. There is a story. There's a reason why you're coming to us. When you're dealing with regular QM loans, it's kind of easier, right? I mean, Rocket Mortgage doesn't even talk to people. It's just done by an app. You can't do this via an app, right? So what's great is computers will never steal our job here because it just can't be done like that. You have to listen to the story. Why did you do this? Why did you do that? Why did you not secure financing else? There's many multiple reasons. There was a story and a backstory. And if you submit a loan without knowing the backstory, that loan's going to die, right? What we do, what I wish more companies did, we don't just submit loans and let the underwriting decide if it's going to live or die. Our loan officers kill more loans than they submit tenfold up front. Yeah. If it's going to fit, if it doesn't comply, if there's something that doesn't fit the guidelines, we are going to identify that up front and either A, pick one of our multiple programs that can fit this situation or B, say, sorry, we can't fund this loan. Virtually everybody else, the loan officers just submit the application and they have no idea if the loans are going to close or qualify or not qualify or anything. And they just shove it into underwriting, which they're clogging up underwriting. And then, okay, your loan's denied in two weeks. We don't do that. If we're submitting a loan, there's a 90% chance that loan is going to close. I mean, yes, you can't foresee some things happening. Appraisal. Yeah, yeah, appraisal or something else on title or whatever. Obviously, you can't foresee that. But there's a 90% chance where our loan's closing because they're heavily structured and nitpicked up front to make sure that we know everything. 
Right. And that is the traditional non-agency method is get the story, make sure you know the story, and then sort of pitch that loan to a variety of investors and see which ones will bite on. Because there's little quirky things with everybody. From a loan officer perspective, I still want to stay in this spot here a little bit because loan officer goes out and says, okay, realtor, guess what I have? I've got all these really cool products. The realtor is going to do the same thing that they've always done, which is call you at six o'clock on a Sunday night and say, I have to have a pre-approval letter. I need a letter. I need a letter. Talk about that. Don't do that. So, <laughs> don't, don't do that. that. <laughs> it doesn't work. Only <laughs> mortgage companies that like we don't go after realtors at all. So yeah. none of our loan officers do self-gen. Everything yeah. is internal lead based. So we're not knocking on doors and not going to realtors' offices and not going to open houses. We don't. We literally don't do any of that. Everything comes into us with our organic marketing. The irony of it is we're only doing about 20% of the marketing we could do. And right now we're generating about 200 leads a day, 150, 200 leads a day, which actually spun off on another company we have because we're very niche on what we do and we don't broker. I don't do new construction because I don't like it. It's a headache. We don't do cannabis. We don't do assisted living. We don't do developments. A lot of things that we don't do, we don't do owner-occupied non-QM. We probably get 50 of those a day. So we're actually, I started another company, which is Mortgage Leads, where we're finishing to build out the software, where we're going to be selling those direct leads to other companies and loan officers that can actually take advantage of that and actually close those types of deals. Right. Sorry, what was the question again? That's okay. (laughs) It's okay. You know what? I'm going to say it and then you'll understand it, but it's, you've got to slow down to speed up instead of speeding up to slow down. Got it. Say it again. No, I'm yeah. Good. yeah, no, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. No, but it's a mind shift, right? It's a mind shift. in if you're going to go into this market, you have to slow things down. You have to make sure that the real estate agent isn't running amok and needing an approval instantly but, 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 overnight. You have to take the time on the front side. The only person that needs a pre-approval letter is a realtor so they can satisfy themselves. Because a pre-approval letter, as you and I know, means absolutely nothing. Yeah, it's we special- call it Swiss cheese. It means nothing, but it's more in this world, and I'll tell you why. Because in the QM world, you're buying a house with a CO that's livable, and as long as the mortgage, the DTI, and the income, the credit kind of qualifies, you have a pretty good chance of that actually qualifying for mortgage. That's not what it works in our world, because we qualify the property, especially if you're doing a fix and flip. You got to qualify the property to this borrower. And if you just say, okay, here's my income, which we don't look at income anyway, and here's my ABC, I need to look at the property. So I need to know, we need to approve the borrower to the property to that specific borrower. We can't just say, okay, here's a random pre-approval letter and go buy any fix and flip. The the ARV and that might be different. The crime rate, right? You look at crime rate. With QM loans, you look at crime rate because you can't redline. In our world, if the crime rate is too low, I'm bad, and you're in certain areas, either you don't do the loan because of crime rate or the LTVs drop. So I can't tell you a blanket, here's 90% LTV, go find whatever you want. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. And you said crime rate's low, but you meant high. I just want to make sure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I just want to make sure everybody knows that. If you have no crime, we don't want to do those loans. There's a lot of factors that come into this that you can't just be approval letter. Yeah. And I think also too, the one thing that people need to understand is suburban versus urban. There's a lot of that. And thankfully there is a farming non-QM investor that's out there now that really is focusing on the rural, which I think is really cool. Yeah. I think it's really cool. So from your perspective, because you're still pulling credit, yes, still looking at credit, what do you think the average credit is? And I can't wait for the answer. I kind of know what it is, but it's going to blow a lot of people away. Again, I don't look at credit because I haven't run credit in three years. I've done a loan in over three years. But I know for a fact, talking to our loan officers and seeing our team, it's always lower than what people think it is because most people go on credit karma or whatever, and you're always 20, 30 points lower than where that is on credit karma or these type of apps. 
Right. Well, I would say if you would generalize most of the population, they're in the 60s and definitely not in the 7s. I think, what is it, like 5% of people are over a 720 or something? Come crazy yeah. number like that, like well, the reason why I'm asking this question is I heard this statistic at a non-QM conference that I was at, and I don't remember the exact number, but the average credit score is only 40 points lower than a traditional 20% down ADL TV, perfect, not, don't need an appraisal, don't need anything, QM loan. And I think that that is a big thing that people need to understand is that we're not talking about people that are bottom of the barrel, 500 credit scores. They can't get anything anyplace else. So now they're going to go here. You can't. That's not for this. Actually, we have that program, which we can talk about, which is our actual hard money. Pro- so I wrote the article for Scotsman Guide 2019, hard money versus fix and flip. Because it's yeah. really crazy and people would call and say, I want a hard money loan because everything's a hard money loan. That That's not a- QM. That's not QM. <laughs> right. So a hard money loan is always going to be a bridge loan. So yeah. a non-QM loan is not a hard money loan. You're generally talking about a max of 65 LTV. So there is no 90 LTV hard money loan. And it's truly an asset-based loan. So if you have a bankruptcy or a passport closure, you have a 500 FICO score, it doesn't matter. It's strictly a loan against the asset itself, which is when I bought my house at 19, that's what it was. A fixed and flip loan that's going to 90 LTV on the purchase is not a hard money loan. You better be good, baby. It's a rehab loan. So don't mix up the two. And there is no such thing as a hard money term loan. 30-year fix, a 501 doesn't exist. But to go back to what you said, yes, people think that the non-QM loans are probably for lower FICO borrowers. Not the case. What they are is generally self-employed borrowers who are investors or whatever the case may be, who don't have perfect tax returns, don't have all the ducks in order, or like we don't care about the fact that if you have a job history the past 24 months, like in a regular QM loan. So if you start a new LLC and it's only six months old or a year old, it doesn't matter to us. We're not looking at that. So we don't factor that in. So our programs are specifically designed, when I designed them in 2017, for real estate investors. Because I've done, I've stopped now with COVID, you know, property value is too high, but I've done 56 properties in my career. And before Stratton Equities, it was hard to, to, to secure financing because oh, yeah. programs are not designed for, banks hate lending to investors. People don't realize that. Banks yeah. are not designed to lend to real estate investors. They don't like it. That's why they give you such lower LTV. They make it very difficult to secure financing if you're an investor. Yeah, I get it. And again, for me, when I was doing, and just for people that are listening here, I would make every attempt to try to get it approved through QM to a certain extent, right? But if you had too many properties, if your DTI wasn't right, your credit score was two points below and we couldn't get it higher, or if you didn't have the reserves and I couldn't do the loan QM, then I went to non-QM. So I want to make sure that everybody understands that so that you don't have a conflict of interest. Want to make sure that you're doing the right thing for your company. You're trying to get the loan through the company. And if you can't get it through the company, then of course you want to have these outlets to be able to serve your clients. And just like you, I had the need. That's why I started exploring because I had my own need for it. So I think that's pretty interesting. The other thing that happened that I heard at this conference is that non-QM loans were performing better than QM loans during COVID because they weren't taking on forbearance. They just weren't. And I think that that goes a miles away to understand who these people are. And if you're a loan officer and a real estate agent and you're listening to this, this market, these people could not get loans when the rates were super, super low at 2%. Um, They couldn't get loans because they had to shut down their businesses or whatever. And so their tax returns are totally skewed. I'm not saying screwed, skewed. (laughs) They They didn't have any income. And so how did they benefit? And so this fills that void to serve all of your clients. 
there's just no question about it. So I love what you're doing. I know you do private money and you do some hard money, but most of it's soft money. I know you do a little bit of both, but tell us about the training that you provide for loan officers. What does it look like? Is it just product training or is it positioning training? What does the training look like that you provide for loan officers that work with you? Appreciate that question. So when I first started the company, we didn't have the ability and the training programs where we trained people from scratch. So we hired people that had experience. That didn't work. Impossible to retrain people with experience. We don't sell here, right? We don't sell. We don't push. We don't bait and switch. We don't sell. I think, honest to God, we're probably the most ethical mortgage company there is where there's nothing, no junk fees, no nothing. It is what it is, right? So we don't push. We don't sell. We don't twist things. And we do things extremely differently here, especially when working with brokers. Everything is what I did that worked for me that I implemented on the training. So when we hire people with experience, it was very hard to retrain people. Like I had this one gentleman that we hired out of one of the mortgage conferences. He couldn't answer. He couldn't pick up the phone. He wanted to do everything via email. Company policy, we don't do everything via email. We do pick up the phone. Yeah. And he couldn't pick up the damn phone. Right. And everything is, oh, send me your scenario. I'm like, dude, John, we don't do oh, that. I can't tell you how many times my husband says that because he's a mortgage loan officer and he's like, pick up the phone. When someone, a processor says, well, I've emailed him four times. I no, 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 no. Pick up the phone. The phone's <laughs> right. your friend, pick up the phone. So right. a lot of things we just couldn't retrain out of people. So I actually hired a gentleman that was a Harvard MBA and PhD that started with us in 2019. And we saw the abilities that he had. And he actually structured a training program with one of his Harvard professors, which is all based in psychology and how to train people and teach them even how you lay out your desk and how you lay your pens, like everything from the ground up. So he's president of my company and which we have three offices on the other side and he does our training. Now our training is extreme. We probably go through, I'm not kidding, about 130 resumes to hire one person. That's to hire one person. We're actually starting a new hire as we speak. We're aiming for a class in the beginning of January, January 10th to the second Monday. So that's where we're aiming for a class to start. But it's about three to four weeks in classroom training where again, we, I'm, I mean, very honest, we weed people out. If it doesn't yeah. fit, if it You don't show it up is, on time, you don't do the work, yep. It is like boot camp. We weed them out. Then after the month, a lot of psychology training and in, oh, pitching the words, how you answer of everything possible. Like taking a baby and training them to be an adult from the ground up. Every single yeah. thing can be possible. How you answer emails, when you answer emails, how you answer your phone, how you rebuttal this, your scripts, the whole nine yards. And then after about three to four weeks, you actually get onto the phone, which what we do is we have tens and tens of thousands of old leads. So they start on old leads when they get on the phones first. Ooh, that's so smart. About a, yeah, that's smart. About a month on old leads, which there's still a lot of meat on the bones because when you're dealing with an owner-occupied lead, your average person doesn't owner-occupied loan every 20 years or 15 years, whatever the number is. But when they're an investor, they're buying properties multiple times a year. Or it's a broker lead, which we have 30,000 broker leads. Brokers are always doing new deals. So those leads, even though maybe they're age leads, there's still a lot of meat on the bone. But we give them age leads first, and we have a dialer system. They don't pick up a phone or text or call. It's a complete dialer system. That dials through the system. The system sends sends out an email and does everything. So they they go through the dialer system, and then probably the the month doing old leads, a month and change, whatever the case may be. Then when we feel that they're ready, and now they know the program, because the first month they're lost. They don't know how to answer. Like you have to structure a loan. Yeah, I'm they stumble. Well, every loan. every loan officer who's new in they business, don't know how to yeah. they don't know. Like if yeah. you can't do this, you can do that. They don't have structure loan. So it takes some time. So by month three, I would say they're proficient and they're on new leads and they get on the new leads. And then generally, which is faster than the average, they're closing loans 
we had this one class, and it closed alone in month three, but they're generally closing a pipeline by month four. Yeah. Right? So generally by month four, there's a strive, there's a pipeline. You got to keep in mind there's endless leads that are coming in and they're not doing other work. They're focusing on calls. In the beginning, they're calling God knows how many people a day, right? And then they narrow it down. And then you see the longer they're there, the less calls because they're working on deals. They're gathering docs. Now they're doing this, they're doing that. So they might start in the beginning with 500 calls a day, but like this class that we hired in the summer, that is, we kept three people from this class. Sometimes there are 30, 40 calls a day only from 500 because they're working now. Now they yeah. got- Yeah, they don't have time. Yeah, yeah. Well, that makes you be in demand, not on demand, right? And it allows for you to not be scrambling around like a cat on a marble floor. We don't chase people. We don't go out. Yeah. We don't beg people. We have programs and rates and terms that don't exist in the marketplace. If you think you can get better somewhere else, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So what's your forecast for housing? What's your forecast? What are you seeing as far as competition for investors writing offers on contracts versus owner occupied? Are you seeing more of a move to multifamily? Are you seeing fix and flips come back again? Are you seeing a lot of renovation loans happening? What are you seeing? We're definitely seeing more multifamilies, which is my space. I do a lot of multifamilies and I love multifamilies. It's a shame because a lot of lenders only had the fix and flip program. And um, as you know, that program is virtually dead right now because to qualify for a fixed flip loan, you have to buy a property under market value. Yeah, With, good luck. Exactly. But end users right now, people that are buying a house to live in are buying it owner occupied and they're paying 50 grand over market. How are you going to get a deal 50 grand under market? So with the lenders now, so many lenders are struggling that only had the fix and flip program because that was huge 2012, 13, 14, when you could buy things under value. Now you can't. Right. So that's pretty much just, I mean, I don't think out of our pipeline right now, we might have one or two fix and flips. Pre-COVID, it was almost 50-50. Yeah. Now, do you think that'll change later with we have inflation and we have a lot of things that are going to think- cycle? It's always going to change. I haven't bought something over two years because I don't buy now too high. And people might be saying this, but I buy the crash. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's what we're all waiting for. When it started going up, we sold off a bunch of properties and then we're holding that cash and waiting for the next one. One thing which we talk about, which I did a lot of interviews and articles about, which is be a better borrower. When Mm -hmm. people have like a 500 credit score, they have no this, they have no that. And they're like, oh, I want to buy property. Dude, don't buy property. property. (laughs) You're not ready. (laughs) You're not ready to buy property. Oh, I want gap funding. If you don't have the money, don't buy any property. Fix your credit, become a better borrower, get your ducks in order, get a team, have your accountant and this and that get the ducks in order, save money. That's like going to Lambo dealership and you don't have a job. Right. And if I saw your bank statements, it would say Wendy's, McDonald's, McDonald's, Wendy's. <laughs> you're not buying. You're, you're, you're not interested. Right. right. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. it is a cycle, as we all know. And this cycle, generally, it's on a 10 to 13 year cycle. So we are past that at this time. It's going to happen. I hope we have at least two more years because when the market crashes, mortgage companies get affected because yeah. if the secondary market gets hit, like when COVID hit, a lot of companies went belly up. Oh in, yeah, in the non-QM space especially. Yeah, we couldn't lend for a while. I put the company down because all my rose, and we literally couldn't lend. And then when we came back in summer, LTVs were very low, rates were very high, my cost was extremely high, which I have to have to pass it on. So it's not good when obviously there, there, hopefully there's not a crash, there's a correction. So I'm hoping we have a correction in the market and not a crash because the secondary market gets hit and the credit markets get hit, then we're all in trouble. Yeah. Well, I think it's going to depend on who's in office and that's see over in the next couple of years. Yeah. That's what we're going to see over the next couple of years. Well, is there anything you'd like to leave us with? 
lot I can leave you with. Um, <laughs> you know, there's a lot to talk about in, in this industry, in this yeah. space. Hopefully the market will continue into 2022. I definitely see that we are getting into a strong market, but again, you never know what happens once you're around the corner, but hopefully we'll have a good market for another couple more years. But yes, I want to leave people with become a better borrower. If you want to be a real estate investor, don't sit there and try to shop every single lender there is. Become a better, stronger borrower, and then people will want to lend to you. Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much, Michael. I thought I talked fast, but you talk really fast. <laughs> so it's the, caffeine. It's a caffeine. Yeah, all right. <laughs> right. For me, it's just my personality. That's just what happens. But thank God we have the ability to slow things down and speed things up, depending on who's the guest on the show. But I just want to say thank you so much. I hope we run into each other because it sounds like I know with Scotsman, you're probably uh, going to be speaking at some of the conferences. I'll be speaking at some of the conferences this year. But now I have a reason to, call, you know, oh, I know him. I know him. So thank you so much for sharing this information. For those of you that are listening, thanks again for spending time with us today. Again, everything that I'm doing in Mortgage Lending Mastery is to give you more and more value to expand your business, to expand your knowledge, to expand other people's businesses as well, those people that you're working with, and certainly to expand the wealth of your clients. So all of these things are helpful to you. So take some action and reach out to Michael. We have his links below. You can find out more information about his company and about his products and services. And again, thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, not just this podcast, but also our YouTube channel and watch these videos just as much as you're watching or listening into them. So we'll catch you next time on Mortgage Lending Mastery. Thanks again, Michael. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Be sure to subscribe to hear more sales tips, ideas, strategies, and tactics to help you with your personal and professional growth to multiply your results in record time. And if you like what we're doing, don't forget to give us a rating and review so we can continue to bring you the best content possible. Wanting more beyond the podcast? Join our Mortgage Lending Mastery membership community where you will find extended interviews with our favorite guests weekly training, tips, and insider secrets, fireside chats with Jen, free content, meet, share, and collaborate with other members, and so much more. Click the link in the show notes to learn more about this exclusive content. Mortgage Lending Mastery is an industry syndicate charter podcast. Industry Syndicate is the first podcast network specifically for the mortgage and real estate industries. Get the Industry Syndicate app in the App Store or Google Play today.